near the home that uh, we raised our children in, uh, downtown Holland. This is uh, near Collin Park and Boatworks. There was a tree there that I don't know how many times we had gone past it. I mean, it was right on the curve there by everything. Uh, so we would pass by that all the time. But there was one time when we passed by that tree and it really uh, stood out to me. And I learned a, a lesson from that tree. That this, this tree was there. I'm not sure if it's still there or not, but it's, it, faces, it faces the water. And it's a, a, a tree where the, the lowest main branches go straight out. And they're big branches, and they go a long ways straight out. I'm often amazed that those branches don't just crack off. And I looked at that tree as it was just standing there. Branches, limbs straight out. And to me it looked like a picture of a tree giving worship to its Creator. And it stood there all the time that way. Never changed. This tree was doing exactly what it was designed to do in taking in sunlight and water and nutrients and living and blessing people with shade and beauty. And it would stand there all the time, branches outstretched. And I thought, what a picture of worship. Here is this tree that one day will decay and fall over and it will be forgotten, but the image of that tree will live on in my mind. Sometimes we see people in worship that way. Arms stretched out, raised up, giving glory to their Creator for everything He has done for them. That tree will always remind me of being what I'm supposed to be in light of my Creator. What has He called me to do we're going to learn a lesson from another tree, a very different circumstance. And we're going to learn what Jesus has to say in response to what He had said last time when we were looking at this passage where He went up to the tree and He cursed it because He didn't find it bearing fruit. He'll give the explanation and the, the lessons that come out of that. And we'll look at that from Mark chapter 11 today. We'll be reading... Uh, verses 20 through 26. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look! The fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This is one of those places in Scripture by way of a note that we said we were reading through verse 26 and it does not appear in our Bible. Uh, 
It's one of those things where it is likely a scribe who remembered what was said before by Jesus and added it in there, but the, most old, uh, the oldest and most reliable manuscripts don't have that, not because it isn't true, uh, but because it wasn't uh, necessarily a part of that. It would have said, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses, which is true. It's what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. But that's why uh, when I say we're reading through verse 26, and if you have your Bible there, you notice that there is no 26. That would be why. So we're going to learn these uh, three lessons from a fig tree. Uh, Pastors are often accused of always doing a three-point sermon. Uh, I'm very guilty of that. Uh, But when Jesus gives you three points to dwell on, I figure if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. So we're going to look at the three lessons that Jesus gives about the fig tree. There are three lessons in there because they are the three imperative commands that he gives in response to the question of the disciples. The first lesson that we'll learn is what he said there, the first command, have faith in God. Now, there are lots of people. I would, I would argue that all people have faith. Even the unbeliever, as we might call them, the one who does not know our Savior, Jesus Christ, who believes that there is no God, they still have faith. They have faith that He does not exist. They have faith in other things. They have faith that living a good enough life will get them to wherever they think is next. They have faith that there is no afterlife, maybe. They have faith in the daily operations of our world. If you've ever traveled across the ocean, you have faith that this however many hundreds of thousands of pounds of airplane and fuel and everything is going to stay up there. Everybody has faith. So Jesus, in response to the disciples, didn't say, have faith. Jesus made it very clear. He said, have faith. In God. And that's a big difference because people would say if you just have faith, it's, it's, it's enough. If you just have faith in something, it's the, it's the idea of faith that gets you someplace. It isn't, it isn't so much the object of your faith. And that's not at all what Scripture teaches us. And that's what Jesus is saying here. It's, it's not just faith in something. It's, it's trust. It's dependence. It's obedience. In action. That's where Jesus has been leading us in these last few weeks or so when we were talking about little children coming to Him and the, and the blind man who wants to uh, be able to see again and he follows and he follows in trust and obedience and dependence on Jesus. It's the faith that healed the, the paralytic earlier in Mark when his friends brought him to Jesus and Jesus had said to him, uh, because of your faith, you're healed. It's the same message he gave to blind Bartimaeus when when he was asking to be able to see again. Your faith has healed you. It's a faith that is rooted not just in your own desires, but in what God can accomplish. It's the kind of faith that is saving faith. When we looked at... um, just a few weeks ago, Mark, in Mark chapter 10, 
when they were when they were talking about uh, the rich man and, and what it takes to be saved and and they said who who could be saved then and Jesus said with with man it is impossible salvation as it depends on man is absolutely impossible you have to believe in God and it's possible and it's only possible with God it's not just having faith that you will safely make it through this life it's having faith in God's plan in the person and character of God the Father, God the Son, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives within us. It's impossible to affect our own salvation on our own. It's having faith in God. And notice when they came up to the tree, it was withered away, and it had withered all the way down to its roots. You know, if you ever see a tree like that, there's, there's a problem with the nutrients that it's getting. If it's, if it's withering in its leaves, there is a deeper problem than that. Something has gone deep within it and it is no longer able to sustain life and to fight off uh, the troubles that might come to that tree. And the, 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 root, the, the root itself is actually withering away and that's what happened with this tree here. When you, see, when you see trees that don't have fruit, they don't have leaves, there is an internal problem with that tree. And as the tree draws deep from the roots, as Scripture reminds us, as they draw water from the, from the rock, then they stay alive, they continue to thrive. But this tree had withered away all the way down to its roots. There was a problem deep within that tree. Not just a surface issue that, that it wasn't producing fruit. Not just a few shriveled up leaves here and there. This was like Ezekiel was talking about dry bones that are so brittle there is no life left in it. This is the kind of faith, as Jesus is talking about, faith that can move mountains. You and I can't move mountains, and if this were meant to be literal, we certainly couldn't do that, but the picture is being painted of, of moving something that is absolutely impossible. You couldn't even think of moving. And so as Jesus is talking to the people and they see the mountains around them, and Jesus gives the illustration of, just say to the mountain, uh, be picked up and moved in the sea. How absurd would that be to think that uh, you or I could just speak the words and a mountain would move into a sea? And the picture that's being painted there of, is removing every, every major obstacle in your way that you absolutely could not do on your own. No way. But a faith that, that depends on God, faith in God, that knows that whatever obstacle stands in your way, God can move that. It's a faith that's so deeply rooted in the rock that that just trusting in, in God to, for Him to say the word is enough. Hebrews gives us a reminder of this kind of faith. It says, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. There is this relational aspect of faith in God that always trust in Him. And even the faith that we have in Him is a gift from Him. Without that faith, it would be impossible. 
to please Him. Second lesson from the tree is pray and believe. We've talked about prayer here before. When we were looking at different passages, prayer comes up fairly regularly. When you look through the Scriptures as we're going through Scriptures in a year, you see that people praying earnestly before God is something that regularly comes up. And prayer is always put forward as a way to connect ourselves more intimately to God. But this, but this passage, this, this particular uh, truth that Jesus gives us is often misunderstood. Verse 24 said, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I've seen that verse um, misused uh, many times where people had only their own intentions in mind when they were asking for something in prayer and they would quote that verse thinking that I have asked for it in faith and I believe that I'm going to receive it and they will. And people will say, I, I believe in Jesus' name that I will receive a new car this year. And they will use this kind of a verse to profit themselves. To make their lives more comfortable. To make it more pleasant for them. see that kind of thing on social media all the time. If, if you believe that God has this in mind for you, you gave an amen and it will be yours. I cringe every time I see those things. People somehow treat God as this uh, vending machine where if you just do this, you'll get what you're asking for. Prayer isn't this wish list of, of saying, I want this, I need that, give it to me. And I, and I trust that you'll give it to me. That's not what this verse is saying. That's not what praying and believing means. Jesus was a, a man of great prayer. He would spend time off by Himself in the garden with His Father in prayer. Do you think it was because Jesus had a wish list of all the things that He wanted for that day? He wanted a, a better pair of sandals? You know, the kind with the designer logo on it or something? you think he was uh, looking for a better tunic? or Jesus wasn't there asking God for this wish list of things that would benefit him. Jesus was in deep communion and fellowship with his Father every time he went into prayer. And that union uh, stayed alive and strong. And yes, Jesus had needs. And when he went into the garden before he was about to be killed, and we're coming up to that. As he went into the garden, he, he, he prayed earnestly and deeply, Lord, if it, Father, if it's possible, remove this cup from me. Did he have desires that he wanted? Yes, but what was the answer? What was the, the follow-up to that request? But not what I want, what you want. Jesus wasn't a man of prayer that would just keep asking for things. He would ask for the good of others. He would ask that His disciples would grow in their faith. I've prayed for you, Peter, He would say, that your faith wouldn't fail you. And Jesus gives His high priestly prayer in the book of John. He prays not that, the, not that the disciples would be spared all the suffering in the world, but that they would be a true witness in the world. That they would be strong in their faith and their belief and their, their mission and their vision and their execution of all that God has called them to do. 
this whole idea of praying and believing is tied back to the tree in this way that John talks about in chapter 15. Uh, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, He may give it to you. It's that same idea that ask whatever you want and the Father will give it to you when you ask in His name. Not just putting the little tagline on the end and saying, oh yes, uh, in Jesus' name I ask this. But you would make that request in Jesus' name. Aligning with Jesus in everything that Jesus is all about and what the Father has sent Him to do, the eternal plan of God, the Father and the Spirit, carrying that out through us. Praying in Jesus' name is, is finding the heart of God and what He has for you to do in this world so that it will be, as it was already back to Abraham in those days, blessed to be a blessing. So that in you all the nations of the earth will hear. Praying and believing is intimately connected with wanting to see the things of God in this world take place. It has very little to do with what you and I might need to feel comfortable. The book of James has given us all kinds of insight in that. We looked at, we looked at James for a while already. James 1 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith without doubting. See, because the one who doubts that God will accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life is terribly unstable. If you identify with the things that God, are doing, that God is doing in this world and you pray for Him to do those things that He intends to do but doubts that He will do them, you are on shifting ground and it's not going to happen. But it's praying in faith and believing that what God wants to accomplish, God is going to accomplish. Praying and believing with the heart of God his ways are unsearchable. His mind is so deep and yet we have the mind of Christ. And even in those times, Scripture says, when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. And we believe that the Spirit intercedes not so that we can get a new pair of shoes with designer logo or a fancier car or a better vacation, but that our faith will be strengthened, that our witness will be true, and that the Word of God will prevail in our world through us that mercy will be extended to those in need and that you and I will be transformed more and more into the image of our Savior. James would go on. James, the brother of Jesus, James would go on to say you, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly so that you can spend it on your passions. Once again, this idea of praying isn't so that it will benefit you but it would carry out the work of God, that it would benefit other people. James, at the end of the book there, talks about the prayer of faith. The same thing that Jesus is talking about, praying and believing. And he says, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven 
So he says, therefore, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. James has given us this long overview of what it means to be in right relationship with God. To be growing in our faith and our understanding to align ourselves well with what God has in store for us, what God's plan is for us. And when He gets to this place of praying in faith and being healed, uh, there is a great emphasis here on the spiritual healing. You and I know of all kinds of people that have prayed in faith that they would be healed and it didn't come about. Except for the fact that maybe their faith still increased through all of that. Maybe in their prayer for their physical needs that never seemed to have been answered, their faith grew stronger and stronger and there was a healing inside them that no one could take away. And the example that James gives us there about praying in faith goes back to Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us, he says. And he prayed fervently for three and a half years and it didn't rain on the earth. And then he prayed again and the rains came and the earth produced its fruit. Praying and believing that the glory of God will be revealed. Have faith in God. The first lesson, pray and believe. The second lesson, the third lesson, forgiveness is essential. Jesus says you can't stand there praying and believing that you are in right relationship with your Father and you are at odds with one another. It doesn't work. That is so connected to faith in God, the, the relationship that you and I have with each other, the way we treat each other, the way we forgive each other, is forever connected to our relationship with God. You cannot, brothers and sisters, we cannot be in right relationship of God and be in a relationship that is shattered and broken with one of our brothers and sisters. And as we come to the table, that's one of the things that we do. We prepare our hearts to align ourselves with Christ in that way that we align ourselves and we make peace with one another. And so often the week before, we would remind you to examine yourself. See if there's a broken relationship in your life that would hinder your celebrating what God is doing in you because you can't, you can't hate your brother and love his Maker. It's impossible. The same image of God that you profess and you shine through in your profession of loving God shines through in your brother and sister in Christ as well. And it doesn't work to be hateful towards them and unforgiving towards them. Jesus talked about that in Matthew 6 when He gave the, what we know to be the Lord's Prayer. He said, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There is this 
relationship that's uh, deeply rooted in this prayer that aligns ourselves first with our God, hallowed be thy name. Recognizing the almighty, sovereign person of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Your kingdom come. Not my will be done, but yours, as Jesus said. This isn't about making our lives, our little slice of the world, good for us. It's about advancing the kingdom and His cause in the world. Your will be done. Supply us every day with what we need to survive in life and to then thrive in Your kingdom for as long as You give us breath. And then it says, and forgive us as we have forgiven. Now, what if, what if you had to come to the table and this would only be of any value to you inasmuch as you were faithful in forgiving others? Would you receive the fullness of the grace of Jesus Christ when you came to the table? Because Jesus says, you are forgiven as you have forgiven others. After that prayer, Jesus said what, what the writers in Mark, uh, some of the scribes that were transcribing that, they put this in there. For if you forgive others who trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't, your Father won't forgive you. There's something about being forgiven that just causes us to want to forgive. When the woman who sat at Jesus' feet was forgiven and the, those Pharisees and disciples around Him were appalled by that. And Jesus said, Who do you think understands forgiveness better? The one who's been forgiven much or little? When we understand what forgiveness is, it changes us. And we wouldn't allow forgiveness to remain uh, undealt with in our own lives. As much as we have been forgiven, it ought to just flow out of us. It's the fruit that we would bear in believing in that eternal sovereign plan of God who sets me free from my sin and I wouldn't hold against anybody else whatever they've done against me either. James had said, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. All of that is tied into having faith in God, praying and believing, and forgiving. You can't take any one of those out and make that equation work. You can't have faith in God and not forgive. You can't have faith in God and pray and believe that He's going to do something that He wants to do and not expect it to happen. You can't pray in faith believing that God will do it when you're not connected to God. Neither can you pray and expect God to answer you when you're not in right relationship with your wife, with your children, with your neighbors, with your co-worker. All of this is tied together. Jesus, Jesus takes this example of the tree, this withered tree, Connected to, as we saw last time, the temple, which was 
totally disordered and not functioning at all the way it should. And this place where God would dwell with His people and forgive their sins and have fellowship with them and one another, it's all broken down. Just like the tree. It was there and producing no fruit. The only way for you and I, brothers and sisters, to produce fruit is to have faith in God, pray and believe that His plan is the only plan that is sovereign in this world and there is no other plan. Anything else that we have faith in is the distortion of what He has said. And then to be in right relationship with one another. If the tree that had been cursed had fruit on it and it was doing what it should and it was giving to, to those around in need the fruit that it had, the shade that it could re- uh, provide for them, Jesus wouldn't have cursed it. If He would have come into the temple and saw people opening their hearts before God and falling down on their knees and confessing their sins and forgive, asking forgiveness from one another as well, Jesus wouldn't have had to turn over the tables of the money changers. It would have been working perfectly fine. But Jesus gives us this illustration from the fig tree and reminds us of those three things that are essential for having life in His name. Faith in God. Praying and believing in His plan. And being right with our brothers and sisters as well. Who would have thought that a a withered up tree would have produced such a wonderful testimony for the Christian. Or what it means. And I, so I, I went back to that tree again and I'm reminded of the tree was doing exactly what it was supposed to do. And for you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ who bear the name of our God and Father, our Lord and Savior, we need to be in right relationship with Him doing all that He has designed us to do and being in right relationship with one another. Have faith in God. Pray and believe and forgive one another. Three simple lessons from a tree that missed the mark. You and I can take these words and make sure that this simple message never leaves. And maybe, maybe that fig tree will be the one that reminds you of that. It should. Three simple lessons from a fig tree meant to keep you and I on the right course that will lead us safely through this world of suffering and bring us safely through to the other side. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, it is so good for us to see Your plan once again just explained in in simple terms. Faith in God, praying and believing and and forgiving one another. Sometimes we we cringe at the idea of of sharing our testimony, uh, trying to lead somebody to Christ. And and maybe You've just given us another simple little example that we could uh, share and then to share how we've seen the benefit from, from these words as well how our faith in You has led us through difficult times and has brought glory to Your name. How we pray for our very character to be changed and aligned with Yours and we see that happening in our lives even in the midst of trial and suffering. And the evidence of 
our faith in You comes through right relationship with each other. So Jesus, as You call us to go out in Your name, we pray that You would strengthen us to do that. May You continue to forgive where we fall short. Help us not to trust in our own strength, but stay firmly rooted in the rock, remaining deep within those waters that draw living waters, life in, in us that will continue to produce fruit for eternity. And so Holy Spirit, take these words and knit them into our hearts and minds and bring them back to us just at the right time when we need to hear these words again and remind them, or remind us of them. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for preserving it. And thank You for giving us the opportunity to meditate on it and share it in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.